out of Omaha, Nebraska, and coming from, coming from a place like that, that I felt the need to be like, oh, I need to go out and like experience other yeah. things. Don't think that's necessarily true. I think that there's just the way that some of different people are hardwired. Yeah. Some people feel more inclined to stay put. Are you restless? Uh, so that's my other thought that I wonder about is that uh, I started touring so heavily. Yeah. Not like as a youth, but you know, by you know late teens, I started touring all the time and have it since ever since. And uh, so by the time I turned thirty, I started moving around everywhere. And it does kind of seem like some kind of a residual of like not being willing to sit still. It seems, like, but I would imagine it would have the opposite effect. It would have the opposite effect on me that I would want, you know, a place to come home to every mm-hmm. six months or however long. I think this um, really, it's like heavily ingrained. This uh, this sounds like kind of dorky, but like this like constant like sense of adventure wanderlust yeah yeah and uh so you'll live in one area and if you start feeling like you're familiar with it then yeah other places i mean really today being here in brooklyn yeah and the weather's so nice yeah it's kind of giving me that feeling of like oh man this would be really great to come spend yeah, another summer you, you here picked, you picked like one of about five weeks out of the year <laughs> where you can really <laughs> fall in love in new That's york the, for the way weather. chicago is too. yeah so you're in la now yeah for how long? Well, I've been there for a year and a half. And, and that was just, uh, I don't know, is that like a, I'm a musician, I need to move to L.A. at some point? No, uh, no, I got married and... Okay. Uh, to a Californian? No, no. Uh, she got a job out there, though. But we were, we were getting into Chicago so much uh, at the three-year mark yeah. that uh, we... We started looking at, started dabbling with the idea of buying a place and just being like, let's just stop yeah. moving and let's just live here. Uh, and then out of the blue, she got a, a job offer oh. in L.A. And and uh, so I just followed. Is she in I the followed. entertainment industry? She, uh, she's a, uh, yes, in a sense. She's a writer. Uh, she's a writer, um, but an editor for L.A. Weekly. Okay. So. I'm from California originally, so I know a lot of people who are transplants. But even beyond that, everybody is migrating to LA now. I don't mm. know what's going on. I hear that a lot. Is it just is it transforming? Is it a different city than all the uh, stereotypes that we've led to believe I about think LA? That all the stereotypes are there. Yeah, I shouldn't say I think. I'm pretty yeah pretty positive. You see them on a regular basis. Yeah, but uh, there are other stereotypes uh, that. All of uh, all of us big cities have. Yeah. Uh, LA's got such a specific one, though. Yes, in that one, which I think we can probably generally talk about the same thing without even saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that one, I, I this is actually my second time living in LA, mm. and the first time um, I f- was really um, far more bitter about it. Yeah. And it seemed like I, but I think I just kind of had the bad the misfortune of uh, coming across. Like this kind of more vapid, yeah, the, that vapid LA lifestyle, like way more often. Just the, you can have a completely different experience in a city, based yes. on where you live. So this time around, uh, I'm living in Silver Lake, which okay. sounds like that would be a bad thing. Well, I, bec- I used to always kind of. Uh, to be fair, you're in amongst your people to some degree. Yeah, and I used to kind of hate it for that yeah. reason. I was like, oh, it's just this like yuppie hipster wonderland. Yeah. Now I'm older and I guess don't care about stuff as like that as much. And I don't even, I'm just 
probably just so detached or removed from all of that in a sense, even though I'm a touring musician still, yeah. but I'm just older and, uh, can't, well, anyway, I, so I see that element every day and I just don't, I don't mind. And I really appreciate <laughs> this is like that. This is, and then thus the, like where this is where like the white entitled, like affluent, uh, generation comes in. It's just like, well, I just really like the coffee and the bookstores yeah, it's and the to, good restaurants. It's, it's you know? hard to complain too much. So you were there for a while. You sounded like you had a pretty miserable experience and you still moved back. I mean, I, the, I guess the wife was kind of the driving force in that case. Yeah. Yeah. But I, um, you weren't, but really reluctant. as far as our conversations, I, I didn't have that bad of an experience in okay. LA. I, um, it's a really nice part of the planet. Yeah, you know, like fair. just Southern California. As as a guy from the Midwest, like weather wise. <laughs> yeah, no, it's quite nice. Yeah. Uh, no, I suggested to her when we were here every now and then, when uh, upon considering places to live, I would say, well, you know, I would go to bat for LA, and she would just, she's uh, an East Coaster and was. So uh, she was the one. Yeah, so she was like vehemently like. Yeah. Opposed to it, until she got that job offer, went out and visited, and. Um, recognized you know that it's a really nice part of the country and I did yeah, yeah. I, I mean I had that I had a similar experience I'm from so I'm, I'm from uh, Northern California mm -hmm. so I've got my own biases what area what part from the Bay Area okay um, yeah. so you know it's, it's it's like probably not dissimilar to like New York and Boston or something yeah. I wasn't sure if you're gonna go further up to like Shasta area in which no, case no, no, I'd no. be quite at yeah. least Lance terrain wise like quite jealous yeah 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 no it was I it was it's a perfectly fine place to live yeah maybe not to the degree of like a Omaha necessarily but but certainly because it was so suburban the place where you know you're just kind of waiting to mm -hmm. <laughs> figure out how to, how to escape from there and then you, you feel a it's gonna sound maybe sound like a real asshole but you feel a genuine sense of empathy for people who get stuck there uh, and uh -huh. don't you know get a chance to go out and see the world but i did have that experience like right after college after spending my entire life just hating the idea of la of visiting a friend who lived out there and i was like yeah i guess okay i like i could see this <laughs> and apparently the uber situation now is good enough that like, you can actually get around without driving everywhere which is a big that's plus. a significant difference yeah. it really is uh when i was living there in two i guess 10 years ago now yeah i would and i i was a much heavier drinker then like drinking was like a absolutely I not I should say not I mean I still drink every day but this was like you get like we're getting shit canned yeah. every day that was just like the way the way I was kind of like grew up I guess yeah it was impossible and frustrating so I kind of couldn't go out because I couldn't I couldn't get burned here and there when I I'd, I'd get burned by being across that city across town is so far in LA yeah. and being just being drunk and waiting 40 minutes for a cab to come yeah and it'll be like a 75 dollar cab ride yeah it's insane i mean i guess i maybe that could have been a good moment to have taken a look at your life and realized that maybe yeah. getting shit face drunk every day was I not know. a good way to go what, what what was the turning point for you on that front oh i have a i've had the benefit this it kind of aging <laughs> aging has worked yeah. out is a kind of working out well for me in the sense that but you got lucky like i'm looking around at people in my general age group and this is where people are starting to realize that it's not cute to be drunk anymore and then like <laughs> yeah. i might be an alcoholic <laughs> you seem to maybe genetically got off well on that front that you were a drunk maybe but not an alcoholic 
Yeah, it depends on who you would ask. Yeah, you know. But I would. But I mean, I if you say can stop drinking drunk. on your yeah. own, yes. then you're probably absolutely, not an absolutely. I um, so it uh it wore on my. It wore, or I should, it, it, I should, it wore and slash it wears on my vocal cords so yeah. much yeah. that, uh, in I, you know, like, I liked, I like to sing. <laughs> I, it's really just more. It's I don't even know if I do like to sing. I think I'm kind of kidding, but it's like it's the work that I do, and I feel yeah. I'm in a better mood if I can get on stage, and use my vocal cords the way I'm supposed to use them yeah and if I'm drinking too much um, it just dries me out wears my vocal cords out so fast so I've been forced to drink less which is great in the age of YouTube you also have the going on stage drunk and then having the benefit of maybe being able to see how that looks to other people the yeah. next day. most people when they get drunk <laughs> it, they're they're relatively anonymous but like actually it's like getting on stage and being loaded could really kind of bite you yeah. in the ass in the end yeah, yeah. But I, maybe it's just maybe there's something about us all being Nebraskans that yeah. I think that that self awareness, which is really pretty important, hasn't really hit me yet. Yeah. And I have I still have a lot of really drunk friends, and I don't I don't judge nor note. You know, I'm just kind of like, oh, they they're having such a good time. <laughs> you know, like I'm so glad that they're, they're not know, hurting that I'm so anyone. Glad they, they're unwinding and having yeah. a really good time. And they might be hurting themselves, but they're doing it like slowly. Yeah. So maybe it's okay. Yeah. Is it a Nebraska thing? Is it like a, a Midwestern thing? It's just I feel like it's more culturally. Acceptable? Yeah. I think that might be being a shade derogatory about it, yeah. but I don't, I don't mean it as such because yeah. I'm a Nebraskan and that's just how I feel, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm lumping myself in that just being like the social thing to do yeah is like we're midwesterners and we're heavy yeah. drinkers and that's how we you know like that's <laughs> yeah. like what that's what we do and so it seems commonplace mm. and acceptable but i also pre i actually i appreciate what you what you're saying about getting a little older and recognizing because yeah i think that's good i think that's, that's great if, it, if a culture of a generation and if a culture can kind of wake up and become a little self-aware and be like, oh man, I'm like making a total ass of myself. I think there might, and I think <laughs> there might great. be a point that you hit where when you are drinking every single day to excess, that it, you're doing irreparable damage. So you yeah. probably, in yeah. that sense, got out in time. You know, this uh, this kind woman uh, last <laughs> night showed me, she's kind of laughing. She, she, she wanted to take a picture after the show and she was, because she wanted to. Yeah. Uh, kind of bookend it to a picture that we had taken together in 2010 and she uh. showed it to me and uh, I'll just show you <laughs> that it was like me like you know yeah. like with like my eyes half open I have probably I, sh I think it might be fun to I should make a personal <laughs> coffee table book of <laughs> how many pictures I've taken with strangers yeah. with like nice strangers yeah. who want to take pictures afterward when my eyes just like can't work because yeah. I'm yeah. just after a show and I've had too much to drink, yeah. I'm just like, okay. Like the sure. shades, the shades are like dropping on <laughs> yeah. the eyes. Yeah. It's like I'm I, going I, to bed. I'm, yeah. I'm, I will be, I will be passed out yeah. in about 20 minutes. I've talked to a lot of musicians for, I didn't mean this to turn into like an AA conversation right. as we're drinking giant beers, but you know, for whom alcohol was a big part of really relieving the anxiety of getting on stage initially. Yeah. I wish that it's, so it is for me as well. Yeah. And I wish that it wasn't. And I've been, tr I've been poking around again with getting older. I've been poking around with the thought of like, Oh, do I not need to drink? And you know, do I not need to drink to get on stage? Yeah. You've been and doing this for long I'm enough. You would hope, right? I've been, that I, the, well, yeah. yeah, you would hope that I would be able to be more comfortable more with More than it. 20 years. Yeah. I think about, 
theater and they don't that's not a community yeah that's not you don't you can't you don't take shots and i well i'm sure some actors out there will be like yeah i do but for the most part that's not the culture the culture is this is our trade this is a craft yeah and like you get sharp and you go out there and like and nail it and uh, music it's a different there's just a different vibe to it yeah um I will maybe accredit some of it. This isn't. This is probably stepping aside from um, the calming of one's nerves, which is definitely a, a nice. Yeah. It's nice to like loosen up a little bit, but I also can't separate. It's so hard for me to. Ch- I I can't. It's. I will never separate having a certain like drunken buzz with music, yeah. uh, in the sense that I think they really go hand in hand for me in my experience. Uh, that it heightens the, the enjoyment. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not talking even about playing. I'm talking about when I go out and see music that I love. Sure. I'll be watching a band and be like, God, you know, if I I, I could really use a shot right now because I would like to just have a little bit more of a buzz so I could just like more like dreamily, romantically, dive into this music yeah. that I love. And it, it's just like it to enhance it. And I don't need to do that for theater. For theater, I don't. Yeah. You know, I don't. Yeah. I don't go. It's probably see not a, a play. good idea to be the guy who's hammered in the audience <laughs> no. at a show. And, and it's not actually. I want the opposite experience. Yeah. I don't like to drink if I'm going to go see a play. I want to like be like. It's it's a different medium, right? It I is. Mean, and, it's and, such and, a different different medium. You know, music. Your first enjoyment of music is purely visceral, anyway. Mm-hmm. It's when you go to see a band, you don't, unless it's like, I don't know, Bob Dylan or the Mountain Goats, like you don't really even need the lyrics to enjoy yeah. the live music experience. Yeah. And theater is all mm-hmm. about words, so you really yeah. actually need to yeah. follow the plot. And it's easy to romanticize it too, right? I was looking at, for some reason, every time somebody reviews your stuff or interviews you, Bukowski always comes up. Right. Or Hemingway. Uh-huh. And it didn't really end well for either of them. You're right. But they definitely did their best work. When they were drinking. Sauced. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, that's fair. So there's a little yeah. bit, it's a mixed bag, right? Romanticizing that, uh, being the writer that who's yeah. a drinker. I was just another countless, you yeah. know, like, young, angry, young, angry white man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Young, I've angry white boy who yeah. um, really fell in love with... Um, with the, that, Old, those angry con- white men. Yeah, with, yeah, with that, that con- that, those, yeah. those constructs, like that that creation of those characters yep. uh, differences for, and so I kind of have to so now in my 40s and with like not really like you know not being like not being those characters uh, not that I don't not that I dismiss those characters but I'm just like I'm not those characters and I wonder how much yeah. they are those characters I don't know in, um, <clears throat> I mean Bukowski seems like he didn't get out in time yeah yeah well so for me, something significant is uh, I am probably just I was I'm probably just like a drunk in my life who uh, liked those who liked those writers. Those two um, things weren't necessarily. Connected. But I didn't. Yeah. But I wasn't. I'm yeah. not a drunk writer. Yeah. Uh, actually, I've spent most of my life when upon thinking about Hemingway or Bukowski, thinking like, really, like seriously, like they really. Like Bukowski would get drunk all day, and then he'd go yeah. and write poetry, or write, or go work on his novel. Yeah. Absolutely not. Huh. I never would. I've never done that in my entire life. I am, uh, I am absolutely a 
get a good night's <laughs> yeah, dorky, yeah. but it's I don't think it's dorky because it's who I am and I love the but way that's I the work. Flip side. When you read those things about how writers work, that's the flip side. There are the people who wake up at 5 a.m. It's just different, right? I love a good night's sleep, yeah. and I wake up and my brain is rested, yeah. which I think is so significant. That concept is so significant to me. A rested brain, and I'm and I'm firing off like crazy, just ideas. I wake up, I have a little bit of coffee, and I'm just and that's when I'm most creative, and I'm not drunk at all. Yeah, that's and that's how I really like to work. And then afterward, and then I go drink later in the day. I don't. I've never mixed. I've never mixed like drinking and uh, working on shit. I've always kind of been jealous of that idea. I mean, I'm definitely more of a morning person generally, but I've always romanticized and kind of been jealous about the stories you hear about the people who are like writing like late into the night, you know, mm-hmm. the people who get that inspiration and just can't stop. Yeah, I get tired. And when I was 20, I got tired. Yeah. It wasn't, yeah. it just wasn't a thing I did. Only stuff I ever did late into the night and like just drinking and whatnot was just like truly, um, more of the mundane like editing records and stuff yeah. like that where you're just like drinking and hanging out and you stuff just, like, where you keep, can like, zone out yeah and it's yeah. like it doesn't take real creative thought because yeah. for me i for me i feel like creative thought burns off around probably four in the afternoon or something like that you're getting up what, what time in the morning we're we talking like on a on an average weekday um i still don't get up that early but it's yeah. still so much earlier than i used to <laughs> and some of my friends who are still on yeah. a different especially for musicians they work on a much different yeah, schedule yeah, yeah. But, uh, like, nine is super normal for me now. Yeah. Uh, and eight is fine. Is like, yeah. eight is also totally okay, and I kind of like to get up at eight if it's the right day. You have to set a schedule? I don't. No, I don't. But um, my wife, Gwyneth, she... Um, she work, I mean, Ellie, that... I mean, her ed- editing work is constant, and yeah. so... She sets alarm. I think she sets an alarm for 5 a.m. Wow. And I, I think I almost never hear that one. Yeah. My brain knows better. She gets up and she goes to the office? or she's, No, no, no. Okay. She starts working at home. Yeah. Goes to the office at like 10. Yeah. Um, but I'm on a schedule with her and I'm glad to. I don't, it doesn't bother me. I think it's great. You know? I, I mean, because I, I, again, I like to be up and just do stuff. The, I was living with a girlfriend and we were both freelancing at the time. And I was just, I mean, part of it was... New York City apartment just being like you know a two bedroom apartment is kind of mm. way too small for that setup yeah. but it just did not work for me it was not <laughs> oh, yeah. I, had, I had to be like alright I'm going to be an asshole right now but when I'm in the room I need to I just need to focus on this uh-huh. we can like open up the door and, and talk to each other I need some kind of structure uh-huh. and that probably I mean like that feeds into the fact that like I've you know mostly work out of an office anyway yeah you know it's pretty similar for us yeah. for, for me I mean I uh we don't we don't have a lot of money and i don't have so when we look for the places that we live we look for that like that space yeah that that like i need to work from home space and uh so even right now in la it's just a one bedroom but yeah. um the bed but the bedrooms a lar- it's a large extended bedroom so there's like there's a far wall and that's where i have all my recording gear yeah. and you know and it works so you're actually doing a big chunk of the music production in in the house i do i've been doing that for uh since 2004 i Mm. think i think i think album of the year was the first record that i started um it was in it was advice from uh, mike mogus the uh you know the producer and, and bright eyes and stuff yeah um he because uh, we were always working together a lot and uh he he just i think he just recognized Initially, he recognized my interest in um, 
working on my, on, on my own vocals and like yeah. working on and and when him when, and I, you mean just getting better or you mean just doing it solo kind of having like my own time having yeah. my own time to just kind of like to yeah. work to like spend time with them and so i i'm 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 pretty. I'm pretty good at Pro Tools. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah, that like about ten <laughs> years ago, that would not have been a thing to brag about. Yeah. Um, he, um, but I was kind of inadvertently. I, he was kind of my. Um, uh, he was like a mentor yeah. for me because I would. We would. I really love Mike, and we. I would hang with him so much just when we were when he was working on my records, and I would just sit. I'd pull up a chair next to him and we would just like hang out and work on stuff. And I learned what's that. What's that? Yeah, and I just yeah. learned a lot just by um, yeah. you know that like osmosis That's of great. like how he did things. And um, I just took it with me. Uh, but I still, I still you know go to studios for every album. But I do a lot of it on my own. On my own. Yeah, you did your first solo around 2010. Mm-hmm. Is that part of it too? I mean, is I, I assume that the process for actually not just writing but kind of really putting the music together is really different with the solo work than with a band. It is, yeah. And then, like having that home studio is probably a nice piece of that puzzle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, t- it totally is. Um, yeah, because the 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 work on these solo albums is uh, very enjoyable, but but painstaking is like the wrong word. But like. Uh, so it feels like it's like quadruple the hours or something yeah. like that to um, piece it together because and 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 you just feel kind of um it's it can be a pretty it can be a pretty lonely endeavor we what's the, some of the real beauty in anybody maybe you play in bands as well and yeah. uh anybody in bands recognizes like that the camaraderie of um this song kicks ass or this song i'm not i don't understand it as well like all of that feedback is um really and like oh you just made this better this is i took this yeah. thing that i thought was fine and you made it great all of that yeah. is um way it, it i think that can all really be easily dismissed as um as just like friends hanging out yeah. but it's actually all it's all crafting an album and it's all really important way more important than i think um one can register because until you maybe are doing these records alone and I really can feel like on the island. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't matter so much because then I have the release of then I go off and I do the next record with a band. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. I so I I like there's the the converse to that is how much I enjoy being alone <laughs> and working on it by myself and and being kind of creepy in that way of yeah. like in, of like. Um, controlling all you know, all of it and like writing every part. I'm going to go into my cave and then three or six months later I'm going to come out with this fully formed yeah. work. Is it that solo throughout the process? Yeah, you're, you're working with other musicians to actually... Um, it depends on the album. So yeah. the, this one's got there's, some... only, there's only three albums yeah. but um, the second one, Adult Film, it really is important to me that I credit that I brought in a band for that. Um, like we had a touring band I had a touring band, which is pretty much the same band that I have right now, um, just with like swapping certain, swapping some members yeah. for um, necessity of instrumentation. But um, I had a touring band for the second swing of the Game of Monogamy album, which was a, which was like a addendum called Bigamy that we put mm-hmm. out. Yep. And 
that band was Dylan Ryan, Patrick Newberry, and Sarah Bertoldo, and we um, all clicked so well, and I was just so into uh, the feel of being in a band hmm. with them. We went into the studio together, and there was a lot of, like, I mean, Patrick wrote those key parts, and Sarah wrote those bass yeah. lines, and Dylan wrote those. I'd say it, was a, it really was a band. Um, but the other two albums, Monogamy and Adult Film, are, um, and especially this No Resolution one, was a very was the most isolated yeah project um maybe because of proximity of me just living in chicago and la and then la uh but uh that said um when i get into the studio dylan still helps yeah with um percussion with like developing like shaping the ideas that i have for uh, for drums and i don't actually chart like you know with midi and stuff like i do things and i put everything into sibelius and uh yeah. patrick uh takes all of um everything i write for strings trumpet keys everything and kind of refines it he'll refine it and in his and the most valuable thing he does for that is um when i'm doing like more lush string pads he uh, will hear, he'll, he, we've been working together for a long time, and he'll hear what I'm wanting to do, and um, he'll fill it out, just like making more more dense. Yeah, making it sound like a real arrangement and not just some guy humming. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I'll like, yeah. usually come with just like a harm, like, you know, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. harmony and like maybe one more, and he'll be like, I, you know, and then his like, his years of, he's just very, he's really, he's very bright at music. And so he'll like return with an idea that's like just chunkier yeah. and feels more dense and feels. Does it feel like what you heard in your head? Yeah, even more so. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't help but thinking that you are inherently a band person. You keep gravitating toward that, right? I mean, you know, there's you maybe you want more control over the early part of the process, but you're always going to end up making music with people. I think I just want to. Dab- I think I just enjoy dabbling in a little bit yeah. of everything doing stuff solo is a it's a really good outlet for me to kind of like to get that out and um the new album specifically seems like one where it had to just kind of be your vision because i don't know if it's it's concept album is that the right word i don't know there's a through line yeah you're working on it off and on for like four years is that right yeah because of because i brought the good life back on board for an album in that there's kind of, to go back to that um, adult film yeah. record and that band that we had yeah that's that that was a lot of the impetus that was a lot of the impetus for the good life getting back together for my personal reasons we all we're really we're all close friends and all kind of wanted to, to do something again but yeah. just didn't really know when and i personally recognized when i did the adult film stuff that I ultimately it was just like I was just that was just me wanting to be like you're saying like yeah. wanting to be a part of a band yeah. so much yeah and uh, so that really pushed me toward getting the good life back together for a record because I recognized I personally recognized that adult film is basically a good life record yeah that was like what I was wanting to do so I went through two records worth basically of just wanting to do this kind of um uh yeah it's kind of to me it's kind of nuanced like i wanted to do indie rock but not cursives post hardcore rock you know like it was like something very like specific 
in your brain, are there a pretty strict set of parameters as far as what you can and can't do with each group? Not really. Yeah. Uh, but you for, know what a cursive album is versus yes, what a album is. Yes, but then even that got really blurred, and we could sit and look at, yeah. look at <laughs> you know, look, I'll look online yeah, yeah, yeah. and see how people feel like it got blurred, because... Happy Hollow and Mama I'm Swollen were two records yeah. that um, where I kind of just wanted to kind of I I was wanting to just blend everything together. Do and people get angry because like it should have been a record by the other band and they feel like they were lied yeah. to? Or? <laughs> you don't have to ask people. <laughs> you should ask people yeah. and see what it they say. It sounds like you've read a little bit of the feedback though. You're not. Yeah, no, I'm I'm aware. And I and the thing is, it's with Mama I'm Swollen specifically, which is. Cursor record in 2009. Yeah, I that was spe- that was a specific attempt on my part to blend everything I do together to just and I really hmm. and I'm I go through waves of liking one record more than another. Yeah. But I'm a really big fan of Mama I'm Swollen right now. As far as my catalog in general, yeah, I like that it's this. I don't know. I, I like that version. At the moment, that's the version of cursive that I like. But it's not the version of cursive that where we're going to move forward with with yeah. I just looking back in the past I don't I'm not opposed to the fact that I wanted to do it's like that record to me is the cursive life kind of it's like this cursive good life like yeah. half and half and so wouldn't that yeah. make sense that that would be that I would yeah. be like oh I like that that's it's like all kind of the, the fullest picture yeah it's like you. the best ideas yeah. to me it's like the best ideas of both of them you know but it's like the Tim Venn diagram yeah, all the yeah, overlapping parts yeah. are there. What is your relationship to that old music, though? I mean, do you actually go back and listen to it to reevaluate it, or it just sort of exists as a point in time? I uh, I encourage myself to I encourage myself to do that more yeah. often, and uh, have been doing it more lately. I spent a long, long stretch of time not wanting to re- not wanting to revisit anything. I get that. Um, just not interested. Um, just feeling. It felt like homework, and it felt it just. It, 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 is it feel embarrassing ever to go back? I am. I'm proud. Yeah. I'm really proud to say that it doesn't embarrass me, and yeah. that's such a relief because we're talking about record, or you know, initial record released 20 years ago yeah. now. In your early 20s. Yeah. I dread the idea of going back and looking at anything I wrote in my <laughs> early 20s. It's going to be hard for me to go back and, and edit this to listen to my own voice. <laughs> I had a good, um, and I can't say that every song, yeah. that there, I mean, we could definitely go through and be like, oh, actually, that's not. I don't want to play through that. That, that yeah. would be like, that would definitely be like homework Like that you. song, maybe not the best. No, I went through, uh, I, had a, I had a brief bout of enlightenment just before I started Cursive, and it's kind of how and why I started Cursive was um, there's a turning point in my young life back then of okay so if you're going to keep doing music you need to take it really seriously yeah. just take it seriously and in in only in be like be careful with it be delicate with it and release and put what's, all of your efforts into one project yeah like yeah. release what's don't really you know release what's right don't yeah. just like release and yeah. don't you know just respect it blah 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 that i had this that kind of an enlightenment and i feel like it's fortunately has carried because i do yeah. i'm I would be, I know we've just met, but I'm certainly the type of person who could sit here and say, like, I'm ashamed of this or I'm ashamed of yeah. that. Like, I, but it's, 
it's nice. It's nice to feel comfortable with the catalog that I've done. Yeah. And I imagine that having not only like two bands, but also a, a solo career helps as well because you don't feel like you have to keep going back to that well specifically. I mean, that's how people get caught up in a rut and that's how people put out bad stuff. Yeah, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but I can say that for me, absolutely. Yeah. I just wouldn't be able to keep doing it because I get really, I get really burned out and annoyed. And I, and probably like all those albums that I just a moment yeah. ago said like, oh, I, I'll stand by them. Yeah. I'll vouch for them. I hate each one of them about a year later. It yeah. seems like it seems like that's just like this bad because attitude. Of touring, I have. Because yeah, I think yeah. it's like yeah, I got a lot of it. It's just like tour. It's touring, just like pushing it, talking about it. Uh, it just makes me. I don't know. It's probably it's probably kind of typical. You know, I bet that's yeah. pretty. I bet it's pretty typical. But because of that, I always I get so excited about the next thing. Yeah. Because the next thing isn't the next cursive or good life or Tim Casher record. It's I get to go. I get to change directions and like step away from that and feel some relief. Yeah. In a little bit of disgust. In you know. I have to imagine four years is probably your longest gestation period for a record. Absolutely. As far as like relief goes, this one must have been a big one for you. This has been really oddly slow going, but yeah. uh, a lot of it had to do a lot of it had to do with the movie that's yeah, yeah, connected yeah. to it. Uh, it was the like the movie No Resolution was initially a movie called Red Rover, Red Rover, which was a completely different script. Yeah. And I had started writing songs for that script. I uh, think you went the right direction with the name. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> the, uh, that script is now um, owned by, there's like a, you know, it's a, there's a producer. A oh, so that still exists in the world? It does, but I don't, I yeah. don't own it. Okay. Until I got, it went through like. But that turned. It into went through like this. all. It went through like so many levels of production, um, until uh, people like couldn't get a, uh, investors and producers couldn't get along and um, started like yeah. uh, splintering off, and uh, and I lost the whole project and I also lost the rights to the script. Maybe Red Rover was a good name. <laughs> but I'd already started writing songs for it, um, and then. And so then I turned yeah. to no to it. I write a lot of scripts, and so then I turned to no resolution, and started moving forward with that one. Started shifting the songs, but also in the midst of all that, um, I got that the musical wanderlust to, to pick up the good life, and I recognize I recognized that what I was doing with this movie and with um, this music that would correlate with the m movie that it wasn't pressing. It wasn't like immediately pressing at the time. Yeah. So, um, so then I spent some time with a good life and yeah. did that. So that's kind. So yeah, but this is in twenty years. This is the only time that something like this has yeah. happened. So you you've been writing scripts for a while now. Yeah. So I I don't think we talked about this on microphones, but as we we're walking over here, mentioning uh, you know my spending um, a summer in Long Island City, yeah. that was all uh, part of a big turning point in my life where I had just turned thirty. Right? Yeah, I just turned 30, um, and that was, for me, an age yeah. where I said, you're, you're stuck, you're, you're strapped to Omaha because of music, and you never meant to stay in Omaha. You have to 
get you have to start moving around you have so to start were, when you were staying in Long Island City you were still living out of yeah Omaha? that was okay. I was I, I lived in Somewhere, Omaha yeah. I lived in Omaha until uh, 20 through yeah. until well I had a small stint in Portland but I mostly <laughs> lived in Omaha didn't, didn't in, we all yeah <laughs> And so I was turning 30 and I was like, you need to start, you need to start moving out. You need to start living other places because that you, was you your plan. You put a lot of weight into those like. I did because. Because you, you had the same thing around like 2022 of it's time to get my shit together. Which is, yeah. I mean, that's good. That's Decade, good. Decades, that's good are really, decades are really significant to me. And I know they don't have to be, but they are to me. Because the other thing was that when I turned 30, I said to myself, you absolutely no more excuses have to start writing scripts. That's what you wanted to do your whole life and I I feel I had felt and I still feel like I got um, kind of pleasantly sidetracked by songwriting uh, which has been great I just I've had like a long career of doing it so I mean when you were like 1920 and you were thinking about what you were gonna be when you grew up it was a screenwriter yeah absolutely I also when I was like nine yeah that's just like what I've always wanted to do but music um, hasn't been such a st- stretch at all because I really just because as a teenager and in my 20s and even now I mean I've just been so enamored by music and by yeah. the scene like and this you get to be a storyteller I mean your songs oh, are very yeah. much storytelling songs yeah and I just needed that yeah. I needed that like in any I needed any facet any outlet for that so that so that worked out it worked out great for me but again turning 30 I just really pressed myself to be like well this you this time that you have on yeah of being alive you need to be doing what you really want to do and so and never at any I don't intend to ever stop songwriting because that's I just have yeah. two things. I have like multiple things I love to do. And you have a fan base of people who want to hear just what great. you put into the world. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I think the thing that puts a lot of people off when they're, particularly when they're in their 20s, maybe to a lesser degree at their 30s, of screenwriting or of writing a novel is the complete lack of instant gratification. Especially with screenwriting, like you, you know, you, you can get something optioned and it can never mm. come out. The great benefit that I have, and if and if this if this could be like an advice yeah. portion oh, sure. of our conversation, the great benefit I have is that for some somehow I managed that to have uh, the most gratification that I get out of any writing is just is upon completion. Yeah. Huh. So I've written so many scripts, and I this is just like this is this is very conversational for me to um speak with any amongst any friends about yeah. I'll explain scripts that I've written and say as an aside like oh, yeah, no I mean I wrote it and I just kind of and I shelved it yeah. I knew like I wasn't or like I didn't send it into anybody like I will literally just write scripts just because I enjoy it because I enjoy doing it and the feeling of when I'm done is so great I think I'm just like uh, I'm a very uh I'm a, a total, I'm just an animal. I'm just like this human being animal who just needs <laughs> tasks, you know? Like, yeah. And so like, and then I finish a task and I feel so good. And I feel like the task I've done is good. And then I can shelve it. Yeah. And then I move on to the next thing. It sounds like you have a really clear idea of, I mean, the ending's usually the hardest or the second hardest part of writing a script, but you know when it's over. Uh, I don't think I've, written a script where I didn't know the ending already because yeah. that sounds okay that sounds 
kind of uh, precarious, I think. Yeah. Part of that gratification is like, you know, like, okay, I've done, I've, this chapter is closed. I'm going to move on to the next yeah. one. Yeah, I think for me, it's like, I've done a lot of hard work. I'm a hardworking person. Yeah. And that makes me feel good. But I also feel good that, yeah. um, cause I, I feel good. Um, you know, I guess you like come up with a concept and then to see it through to completion yeah. is nice. Maybe the difference for scripts is that I don't have to see um, the production of it getting in front of a camera and then being edited yeah. and then finished as a I movie. I guess completion means different things, right? Yeah. There, are, there are different levels at Absolutely. which is completed. Yeah, but the thing is though too, because you could take that to music, yeah. and the most gratification I get from music is finishing a song. It's mm. like writing something and, and then at the end of the day being like, whoa, I wrote a really cool song today and I didn't record it yet i didn't go out yeah. and perform it and people liked it i really the, the best part the part best part of the experience for me is the afternoon when i write it something's motivating you i don't know if it's purely financial but something's motivating you to get these in people's hands and get these things made oh absolutely yeah i mean like what like like what it's nice to finish that? it but it'd be really nice to see it on the screen yeah yeah no. experience it with people and have oh, people tell you how they oh feel absolutely about it. and and so, I mean, most of the scripts that I do, I mean, I, I'm just, maybe I'm just saying that it's unique that yeah. I, I've written some scripts where I just kind of wrote it because it felt good because I wanted to, but no, for the <laughs> most part, for the most part, any script I do, I mean, I send them around yeah. and I, and I get, I'll feel small bouts of deflation when they get turned down and, yeah. you know, and I, I want to see, I want to be successful with it. I would love to, and with music too, it's like, I want to. I want records to sell well because I want to be able to keep doing them. Yeah. So that's like, there's kind of like this, like, there's like a financial necessity that come, that's attached to it. Of like, sure. well, I want to, I want there to be some success to it because yeah. I want to keep doing it. Because if, upon getting like a real job, I'm going to, I won't have nearly as much time to work on the things that I want to do, yeah. you know? And, and, you know, and you're, you know, and you're, you've got a family now or you've got a wife now and a house, like you have to start thinking about real financial security yeah that at some point things will change so the red rover script versus this script i mean is it is it more or less the same idea no they're a bit different um but but we they, should say like the album and i think the movie are specifically about a engaged couple that are yeah yeah no resolution no resolution is um, no resolution is about uh an engaged couple yeah. an engaged couple on uh over the course of a new year's eve evening yeah uh and they unraveling yeah and they kind of fight a lot as yeah. he's kind of not quite ready to settle down yeah red rover was a it's a um like a lake trip that two couples take yeah. um to a couple swap and so it's that like sounds like an indie movie it's pretty messy sounds yeah. like a real indie movie <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> i know actually it really does doesn't yeah. it because it's like the um yeah because so many countless indie movies are like that because yeah. all you got to do is like secure like yeah, yeah, yeah. your uncle's you know like yeah. like your uncle has a friend who has a lake house or something yeah. like that you know is catharsis a big motivator for you when you're writing I mean it's because you know especially with a lot of the topics that you're dealing with it seems like you're kind of exercising something um I recognize that a lot of um I, like at least three of the last scripts I've written um, ha, um, directly relate to the fear of um, pregnancy. So I 
it's so I mean it couldn't be as yeah. to, sep- to to separate myself from myself and become like my own like psychiatrist it's yeah. very obvious that yeah. there's like this fear even though I'm married and we we talk about yeah having children and it's still terrifying I think it's just terrifying like that level of responsibility yeah is um mortifying yeah <laughs> and of, of like committing at least 20 years of your life yeah to that yeah but but also you and know screwing I mean, up yeah yeah you would be a relatively old parent at this point mm. but like you look back at your parents and the fact that like i know my parents were probably like 22 23 when they yeah. started having us and it's really when you examine where you were when you were 22 it's hard to it's hard to get too angry at them for fucking you up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, knowing knowing that they did their best, but no one should be allowed to care for another human being when they're in their <laughs> early 20s. Seems wild, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Obviously, heartbreak and breakups are, are another one you keep coming around to. I find that, too. I find, like, find when I'm, like, writing or... If I'm, like, if I'm reading a biography about somebody, I would much rather read about a tragic figure. I was trying to explain mm, this to, like, yeah. an ex... It was a much more positive person. I was really interested in reading. It. I started reading this Churchill biography. It was the three-part books, and I was like, I, I'm going to skip to the third of the series because that's the part I'm interested in. Yeah. I'm interested in the downfall, and that probably says a lot about me as a person. But that's just that's just a much more interesting story is to watch something fall apart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I think that that's our str- like the struggle of human nature is like way more compelling yeah you're in it seems like you're in a pretty happy place now yeah you know you're you're like just you're kind of settling down yeah but like for anybody it's just like everything's relative yeah you know well no no of course but um i guess there's something to be said for being kind of removed from that misery being able to write about in a clear head not getting like too much up your own emo ass about <laughs> heartbreak right yeah you aren't necessarily like writing your best songs about heartbreak when you're in the throes of that specific one right yeah you know that's some, that's something that i've always um attested to is yeah. uh you know for like somebody like myself who writes so much about this like you know downtrodden material and like drinking and depression and yeah. um you know existentialism nihilism well it's like that's coming from somebody who's capable who's capable of creating who's capable of writing those sure. things it's as, not it's not as, anhedonia as, yeah yeah like as in yeah i mean i when like in during like real bouts of depression no i'm yeah. not fucking writing that's insane yeah i'm not doing anything that's like you're just totally you're completely um you know para you're totally paralyzed and the, you know, so it's like kind of like, for me, it's kind of similar to like what we said earlier about drinking. It's like, I didn't, don't get drunk and then have bouts of creativity and like start working on stuff. A couple of years ago, I went through a pretty, pretty rough bout of depression. And, and I think that's when it really, that's when the distinction of, between like being sad and being depressed really dawned on me was when mm. I was like, oh, like I can't. I can't listen to my favorite records and really enjoy right. them. Like, this is really fucked up. Any other time when you're going through just a rough period, particularly when it's connected to something tangible, you can sort of see the light at the, the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. But when you really feel like you're so far into that that you're completely unable to enjoy anything, that's when it, get, that's when it gets really rough. And that's when depression really sets in. Yeah. And I think you need some, you know, you, like, need some... You think you need some kind of some like modicum of clarity to yeah. even like address, you know, like to write about 
yeah those things that you went through or at least i do yeah but you know then the next person is just like no that's not it you know that's but that's what's interesting i guess about people is that we, yeah. everyone does it differently you can definitely get to a point where it's hard to understand why it's worth spending your time creating something when you're really in that state that's when you start to get go through, really start to go through existential crises of like why am i why am i writing this thing that's when it gets really tough yeah yeah it's true. I'm sure that the irony has not escaped you of being happily married and putting out an album about, and a movie, <laughs> putting out a multimedia project yeah. about a couple breaking up. Yeah, well, I think, my, I think that Gwyneth puts it better because she, she, you know, she'll be like at a show and yeah. someone will ask her like a similar question. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and she's just like, yeah, I mean, imagine. Yeah imagine how what it's like for me you know for as for her you know like well did, did but she she's she's great and she but did she, she ever have the like are you trying to tell me something yeah no never no. like we're, <laughs> well, we're both writers so yeah. we just like we totally um give each other space and yeah. like respect um yeah you know respect like whatever direction we either of us want to go with uh what we're writing about you know what we're talking about the children aspect of it and it's very clear on like the second track is really about having kids mm, mm-hmm. um, and then like then the idea of this, of a breakup but it's it's not a breakup of a marriage it's a breakup or you know there's these problems with these two people who are engaged the thing that both of those like at the end of the day are really kind of grappling it with is the idea of time and longevity and like how long something can really last I mean that's I have to imagine I've never been engaged before I have to imagine that that's what's one of the things that's kind of going through your head as, you know, in, in your dark times when you're kind of assessing the strength of a relationship is, oh, I need to make sure that this is the one that's going to really last. Right. I think, yeah. I, I think that it's probably good for, like, or, like, the willingness to, to become <laughs> betrothed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is um, I don't know. I think it has so much more. It probably has a ton more to do with friendship and yeah. um, just being like, like oh yeah, I'll I'm willing to I'm willing to just yeah. like take care. Of, yeah. I'm willing to like be there for this person and take care of them. I guess this seems like really like saccharine to say, you know. But yeah. it has, you are, you it, are the I person it, that it, I want on my side when things go south. Yeah, yeah. and it's like might have just like a ton less to do with um love and romanticism and in more of like more of like a a bass player that you think is just you get along with really great and it's just like you know Someone what Someone who could keep a rhythm yeah it's <laughs> like if you were if you want to just like always be in a band together that's i'll i'll be in a band together with you that's cool was 40 was that another one of those sort of decade moments you know, I don't think there was anything significant that I picked up from 40, though. It was, I think it might have just been, <laughs> might have just been um, a shade, de- a shade um, depressing yeah. for me. But I, I, I spent a lot, I spent the first half of my year, of my 39th year, um, like, really thinking about it a lot. Yeah. Like, or like getting through all the difficulty of turning 40, so that by the time I turned 40, I was like, okay. I'm in my 40s now. 
But uh, no, I didn't have anything. Yeah. I didn't have like a new like I want to be a fireman now or anything like that. Or nor did I get married at that point or anything like that. Yeah. You know. How old were you when you got married? Well, it's just. Uh, oh shit. <laughs> it was um, 2015. Okay. Yeah. So. So it'll be two years in September. So you were right around 40, right? Oh shit! I guess so. Yeah. God. Maybe I'll just say that I never, I never, um, they never uh, correlated in my mind. Well, not on the face of it, but to do like arm, armchair psychiatrist, like, you know, I think that, I mean, obviously one of the parts I think about getting older is you don't need that realization to be like, to kind of smack you across the face. It's something that you figure out over time and, and, and your approach, it sounds like your approach to relationships when you're thinking about marriage is probably different than it would have been in your 20s and 30s and that it's just sort of like of being willing to be in something for the long term and of being rational and sensible about a relationship and not just being caught up in you know the 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 early stage romance of it yeah yeah and this is actually the second time i got i've been married and um i got married when i was 23 it must have been very different and yeah and that was really for like all of the wrong i mean she's a she's a great great woman um but there's for all the wrong reasons that i was like young and like so it was so romantic and i was like so in like totally smitten in love and it just didn't last very long yeah um and we fought a lot and like it all just kind of wore off and we're like uh yeah kind of just like at the time we were just kind of like fuck you you know it was like very difficult um so like all these years i feel so comfortable with where with where I am now, in with respect to that, because um, I, I just I've just I've dated a lot. I've been in a lot of relationships. Yeah. I've dated a lot of people, and I recognize now um, that just like kind of like what's what's nice and like the the comfort of just like holding on to somebody and recognizing. Like recognizing um, how much the value, how much value uh, she has for me, like yeah. how valuable she is to me. I guess uh, I could just go floundering off and just like date like endless more people, yeah. and you know, and like maybe probably not, especially now that I'm in my forties, probably wouldn't meet somebody like her again. Yeah. Maybe I would. I mean, I'm not like such a romantic that I think that there's one person for me. I think there's many people for everybody, you know? But um, if you find someone, that's pretty, that's, yeah. you know, and if you can be sensible enough to recognize that and um, agree with each other, like, like oh, let's, look, let's just like, like, let's like hedge our bets here, you know, and like stick, and stick this out. And, you know, and it's, it has to do with, and back to like, you know, it's, it's dull, but like back to friendship, you know? Yeah. Like, hey, count on me. Um, and then in turn, like, let me count on you. And, and the realization probably that if you had met her and started dating her when you were 25, it might not have ended the same way. Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, I can't, we can't know. Sure. And I guess I can still be romantic enough to say like, oh, no, I think it would. Yeah. But I don't really know. Because at 25, there'd still be like so much like maybe like you know like sexual wanderlust and like you were in, a, and, tour, you were in touring rock bands yeah too. and just yeah like such a um 
and feeling like you have so much, you know, like a youthfulness of like, there's like a whole, there's so much life ahead of me. Yeah. Who knows? Not that I'm like croaking sometime <laughs> soon, but, but no, I know what you mean. But you know, yeah. probably more of that, probably a better answer for that though is just maturity. Yeah. You know, it's just like recognizing like, I don't need to like, I don't need, nor do I want to like go like tomcatting around. Like I did that for so much of yeah. my life anyway. I got my fill of that. Are you surprised though the way that you've been able to kind of settle down and like be a grown up? No, no, I'm not really. No, not really. Just because, because life can, in some respects, life can feel a little long, even yeah. if I'm only halfway through it. Or yeah. I hope it's only halfway through it. Yeah. You know. So I do feel like I, back at what I was just kind of getting at. You know, it's like I do feel like I've gone through a lot, or I've done a lot, and um, I don't want to. I don't want to start like getting old or feeling old but I do um, I think that's getting there is some aspect of getting married right now that does feel like I'm ready like I can I can be married because because I'm because ha- I'm like I love this person and I'm happy and I don't need to like constantly search yeah. for you know like search for something else I don't you know that's kind of nice there's a maturity to that isn't there isn't that maturity I think I think it's, exactly I tell you what it's yeah. absolutely not settling cuz I don't feel that way and not I don't set, and it's well, like I, settling and settling down are two different things Right Yeah cuz I don't feel like it's cuz it's like not as it's just not a for either her nor I it's like there's not yeah. a settling vibe in what we're doing Yeah we if anything I think that that's probably like the the child question is the next yeah. thing. That's probably the real settling that I think her and I are both trying to grapple with. Yeah, you know, and that the record tries to grapple with. I guess. There you go. That was Tim Casher. Thank you so much to him for taking the time to do that. Really, really enjoyed that conversation. I thought we hit upon some uh, pretty deep stuff there. Uh, and speaking of deep stuff, you can check out his wonderful new solo record, No Resolution, that is out now. Uh, it's funny. It's one of those when when a, an artist releases something as as deeply personal as an album like that, you <laughs> feel like you kind of get full reign to really uh, launch into some uh, some tough topics there. And, and Tim obviously had no problem answering my questions uh thank you so much to him for taking the time to do that a film version of the album is due out later this year as well thanks to amanda at chromatic for setting that up uh thanks to you guys as always for listening to the program if you like the show please rate us over on itunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts uh if you've got any feedback it's rlcast at gmail.com follow us on tumblr that's rlcast.tumblr.com that is the first and best place to get all of your R-I-Y-L related information. Uh, Like us on Facebook and I think that's just about all I got for this week so stick around because we'll be back just about this time next week with another episode of R-I-Y-L 